Uh, so, welcome here, wherever you are in the world. Before we get going, I want to acknowledge that we live, work, and play on the traditional and unceded lands of the Kwantlen, Stolo, and Coast Salish people. If you don't know where you live, then look it up on nativelands.ca. Uh, please gather your elements for communion, and Eden and Carter are going to be uh, sharing that with us soon. We have lots of little tables gathered around the city and the world today, but part of one big, huge table. Hey, do you know it's actually communion Sunday? in the world. So this is a really cool place to actually be at the table together. If you're new here and you want to connect with us, there are a multitude of ways that you can do that. They're all on the screen right now. Please find a way to connect. Uh, if you are a regular around here, these are how you reach out. Um, thank you for your generosity. If you're thinking you might like to give to the bridge, we would appreciate that so that we can keep doing what we're doing. We are currently running at about $6,000 short of a full load. Um, so if you want to give, you can go to online, uh, bridgeonline.ca slash donate. Um, each week that we're on Zoom, someone from our community puts together a worship playlist because Zoom is miserable at doing worship. And rather than torture us with that, we uh, put it onto YouTube, which is much better. Okay, that's it for announcements. So let me say again, you are very welcome. I'm really glad that you're here. This is a really big day in the life of the Bridge Church, and I'm glad that you're all here to mark it, here and here, and wherever it is that you are. Um, and uh, this is the day where we get to say out loud, officially, and in every which way we can, that we are a church that is LGBTQ plus inclusive and affirming. It has taken a long time to reach this point, and I'm really sorry. But it's taken us so long to get here. But this is a marathon. I was thinking this morning, um, I was just like caught the end of the London marathon that was happening today, that we're not like the elite runners that start out at the front, not like the Ethiopians, right, who start at the beginning. They, they're right out and, you know, they've, they've crossed the finish line before some people have even started. We're like the hobby runners at the back, some of us even in fancy dress. And we're running and we've been jogging for a long time to get to this point, which is the start line. So I feel like that's where we're at today, is that um, this is our start point. This is our kind of like, we're crossing the line and going now. And the race is on. So on behalf of Eden and myself, I want to thank everyone who's put in the miles to get us to this point. Um, Dean and Janine, our previous pastors, kind of set the tone for the vibe that we've had um, and that we've kind of pushed forward through and worked on. Um, for members of our steering team who've done the hard work and others who've helped us to reach this point, we appreciate all of you. And uh, now let's just get on with living the love that we keep talking about. Mm. Because of love with a capital L. And I'm going to hand over to Morgan on the East Coast. <laughs> just like that smooth transition i love it all right so i am leading lectio today and just for kicks and giggles i thought that uh we could do a piece of poetry and just meditate on that today so i've chosen a poem by patrick otuma he is a uh, queer uh, theologian that lives in northern ireland he's done some amazing work if you're at all into poetry or want to get into poetry would totally recommend his work. It's just a soothing balm for the soul. Anyways, I'm going to share my screen and I'm gonna read his poem. So without further ado, Shaking Hands by Padraig Otuma. Because what's the alternative? Because of courage, because of loved ones lost, because no more, 
because it's a small thing, shaking hands, it happens every day. Because I heard of one man whose hands haven't stopped shaking since a market day at Oma. Because it takes a second to say hate, but it takes longer, much longer to be a great leader, much, much longer. Because shared space without human touching doesn't amount to much. Because it's easier to speak to your own than to hold the hand of someone whose side has been previously described, prescribed, denied. Because it is tough. Because it is tough. Because it is meant to be tough. And this is the stuff of memory, the stuff of hope, the stuff of gesture and meaning and leading. Because it has taken so, so long because it has taken land and money and languages and barrels and barrels of blood and grieving, because lives have been lost and because lives have been taken, because to be bereaved is to be troubled by grief, because more than two troubled peoples live here, because I know a woman whose hand hasn't been shaken since she was a man, because shaking a hand is only a part of the start, because I know a woman whose touch calmed a man whose heart was breaking because privilege is not to be taken lightly. Because this might be good. Because who said that this would be easy? Because some people love what you stand for. And for some, if you can, they can. Because solidarity means a common hand. Because a hand is only a hand. So hang on to it. So join your much discussed hands. We need this for one small second. So touch, so lead. Just have a moment of silence to meditate on that and then I'll read it one more time. Shaking hands, because what's the alternative? Because of courage, because of loved ones lost, because no more. Because it's a small thing, shaking hands, it happens every day. Because I heard of one man whose hands haven't stopped shaking since a market day in Oma. Because it takes a second to say hate, but it takes longer, much longer to be a great leader much, much longer. Because shared space without human touching doesn't amount to much. Because it is easier to speak to your own than to hold the hand of someone whose side has been previously described, prescribed, denied. Because it is tough. Because it is tough. Because it is meant to be tough. And this is the stuff of memory, the stuff of hope, the stuff of gesture and meaning and leaning because it has taken so, so long because it has taken land and money and languages and barrels and barrels of blood and grieving because lives have been lost because lives have been taken because to be bereaved is to be troubled by grief because more than two troubled peoples live here because I know a woman whose hand hasn't been shaken since she was a man. Because shaking a hand is only part of the start. 
because I know a woman whose touch calmed a man whose heart was breaking, because privilege is not to be taken lightly. Because this just might be good, because who said that this would be easy? Because some people love what you stand for, and for some, if you can, they can. Because solidarity means a common hand, because a hand is only a hand, so hang on to it. So join your much discussed hands. We need this for one small second. So touch, so lead. Thanks guys. We've really tried to be very intentional about the words we use today. And so our service will be a little more liturgical than it normally is. But um, we hope you can appreciate the effort that we've made in um, collecting the words that we wanna share. So we're gonna read through this um, Pride Liturgy, Eden and I, and then we would invite, I think the words will be up on the screen for you guys here and those that have gathered here, we've got it. And then we're gonna move into directly into prayers of the people. And I know it's weird from a distance to say words out loud into the empty void of your room, but I would just encourage you to, to say them along with us as best as you can. And um, we just appreciate that you're all here joining your hearts with us in this liturgy. And so we just, knowing that across the space, we're all sharing our voices and our hearts together just means so much. So I'm gonna begin with the pride liturgy and then we're gonna go into the prayers of the people. Blessed be God who loves all creation. God's love has no exceptions, alleluia. We are the body of Christ. Justice seeking, bread breaking, song singing, risk taking. Body, body of, of Christ. Christ. Baptized by one spirit, we are members of one body. Many and varied in culture, sexuality, age, class, and ability. We are members of Christ's beautiful body. None of us can say to another, I have no need of you. For, For only together, together can, can we find wholeness. None of us can say to another, I will not care for you. For we are connected like muscle and bone. If one suffers, we all suffer. If one rejoices, we all rejoice. Come in, all are welcome. Come into worship. Come with your longings, your questions and your fears. Come with your dreams of a better day, one with dignity and safety for all. Thanks be to God who in Christ has made us one. We ask that you join in in the all section um, as you like. Holy One, we believe that your love will find a way to heal our wounded world and that suffering and poverty will end for we believe in your persistent love. God, help us be your love in the world. Send us to those who suffer. We believe that you have made us who we are 
in your image, a beautiful community of race and culture and sexual identity. You declared us good. We celebrate this diversity for we believe in your creative imagination. God, help us to make it safe for all to live with integrity, for barriers to tumble down, that we might all live in peace. Send us out to change the world. We believe we, were all, we are all members of one body. We share a heart with those who suffer violence, who live in fear, who are cast out because of their sexuality or any other reason. We ache with them. For we believe that you love without exception. God, help us to reach out in love. Send us into the world proclaiming the good news of the gospel. We believe that we are not yet perfected. We fear, we judge, we cause harm by our action and our inaction. But we still turn to you for help. For we believe in your forgiveness. God, help us to receive your forgiveness. Send us into the world to forgive. We believe that the liberation of those in captivity did not end with Moses leaving slaves out of, leading slaves out of Egypt. It did not end with Jesus's death and resurrection. But even today, you are still pulling humanity out of darkness into the light for we believe in the reign of God on earth. God, give us courage and stamina. Send us into the world to lead. We believe it's not too late for those filled with hate to learn to live in love. For we believe you are our heart transforming power. God, help us love even those who hate. Send us out with love for all. We believe that our prayers do matter. And so we offer them now for people and places that long for relief from suffering. For we believe in the power of prayer. God, remind us that we are not alone. Send us into the world to be a soft landing place for all who suffer. We believe in gratitude. We offer thanks to those brave souls who risk much for others. We offer thanks for all the moments of grace that sustain us, for we believe that your love and grace surround us on every side. God, give us eyes to see your goodness in the world around us. Send us into the world in gratitude. We believe that church community are people in process. We misunderstand your gospel. Give us the courage to take risks for justice and remind us that our justice does not match yours. Remind us that all means all, and you believe in our ability to make room for everyone. God, help us to be a better community. Send us into the world as the life-changing, liberating church you imagine. All this we ask in the name of your Holy Trinity, amen. Uh, we're going to head into communion in just a few minutes, and um, so I'll, I'll get you to um, grab your elements if you can. Just a moment, Carter. Just wait. Yeah. Um, and um, I, I just wanted to say that 
you know, we've been planning this for a long time and um, this is a big deal. It's a big deal for us. It's a big deal for some of us who are joining us today. And um, in light of that, I tried to dress a little bit prophetically today. So I'm gonna share what I have done. Um, I bought a new jacket and you all know it's a new jacket because you've never seen it on me before, but it's kick-ass and it's really good. So, oh, pardon my French. Um, and it's lovely and I love how I feel in it. And I love how I feel in this decision we've made as a church. Um, you get dressed up when you really want to celebrate something well. And so that's why I've got a new coat. And then I put on my pearl because we are the pearl of great price, all of us, every single one of us. And I, I blended my medals, which apparently is not a thing you're allowed to do, but I am now deciding who decided that and I can do whatever I want. <laughs> and then I also brought something else and um, I would have had it on a chain, but I couldn't find a chain that would hook it on properly. Um, my husband bought this for me a long time ago. It's a coin that was on a sunken treasure chest or uh, a sunken ship in a treasure chest. And um, if, we, if we think about the parable of the lost coin, we have found a coin today and we are gonna be those women that celebrate that we found the coin. Mm -hmm. And so um, that was all just for free. Um, because I'm excited about what we have to share today. So just a couple of um, thoughts as we go into communion. We began to plan this morning's celebration in August, and we met with Stacy and Carter to hear what they felt might be significant for them during the service. It was during this meeting that I was profoundly moved by something that Carter said. When we talked about the pieces that we wanted to put into place, we mentioned communion and Carter responded with, I can't remember the last time I took communion. That declaration impacted me. And in that moment, I knew why we were doing this. Our desire to include and affirm our LGBTQ siblings is as simple as this welcoming them at the communion table and inviting them to participate in remembering Christ as we have been taught. There will be much more that we discover that we have been, that has, we have been robbed of, but it will be our joy as a community to diligently restore the things that have been taken from them that will bring about healing for the church at large and most significantly for our queer siblings. Carter, will you come up? Carter and I are going to share the reading um, that is Jan Richardson's poem, and the table will be wide. And I have to tell you, um, this is not going to be easy for me because Carter reminds me very much in size, stature, and even um, looks of our son, Dominic. And um, thank you. So happy to be here. And the table will be wide. And the welcome will be wide. 
and the arms will open wide to gather us in. And our hearts will open wide to receive. And we will come as children who trust there is enough. And we will come unhindered and free. <laughs> and our aching will be met with bread. And our sorrow will be met with wine. And we will open our hands to the feast without shame. And we will turn toward each other without fear. And we will give up our appetite for despair. And we will taste and know of delight. And we will become bread for a hungering world. And we will become drink for those who thirst. And, and the, the blessed, blessed will become will the blessing. And everywhere, everywhere will be the feast. <laughs> oh, what a mess. Um, we'll now have communion. And um, I'll break the bread. And, um, and then... Carter is going to serve communion for us this morning. So not just take it, but he will also give it to us. And thank you. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he called together his disciples and the table, whoops, and they sat around the table and Jesus took the bread, gave thanks, and he broke the bread, saying, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, Jesus took the cup and declared, this is my blood shed for you. Drink it. We are now all invited to the table. The table is wide and the table is long and there is room at this most beautiful and sacred table for each of us. Come, 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 come eat the bread and drink the wine and remember Christ's work on the cross. Let's pray. Jesus, we see you. We see you at the table sharing the bread and wine, and we hear you calling us to remember you. Jesus, as we, we are, are so grateful for the difference you make in our lives, for your sacrifice, for your peace, for your healing, for your forgiveness, for your love. We are deeply grateful. And Jesus, we confess that we fall short of the ways of being that you have called us to be. Specifically this morning, we acknowledge that we have been exclusive and have caused harm in how we have guarded the table, leaving many feeling like they don't qualify to accept your invitation to come. Jesus, we believe that your invitation to come is an invitation for all. This morning, Jesus. We remember you and receive all that you have for us. Amen.
right. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening from wherever you're gathered. My name is Taryn, and I have the honor of introducing Stacy, who's going to be sharing with us this morning. So Stacy is an artist who speaks sometime. Sometimes is the little blurb that we settled on this morning. Um, and Stacy is also the author of a book called Still Stace that is coming out this October 19th. The book is here. Ha ha, look at that. We got a visual. <laughs> um, so Still Stace comes out on October 19th. Um, and there's a book launch in Fort Langley with uh, one TWU on October 22nd and another book launch in Maple Ridge on October 30th. So you're gonna hear from Stacey shortly, but I would love to just pray for you real quick, if that's okay. Jesus, thank you so, so much for today and for the celebration. Um, I just lift up Stacy to you as she comes to share what's on her heart and her journey of faith. Um, I just ask that, uh, you give her courage to share boldly. Thank you for the courage that she's had in, in writing her book. And just thank you for her presence um, and just all of the stories that she brings and the wisdom that comes with that. We have a lot to learn and listen to this morning. We give you this time, Jesus. Amen. Good day to everyone. This feels so cool. Oh, I'm just so excited to uh, be in a room with people. I feel like I feel like I should be like leaning down, but I don't think you guys didn't, so I'm not going to do that. Okay. Well, good morning. First, I want to acknowledge that we are on the unceded traditional territories of the Coast Salish, Stolo, and Kwantlen people. I want to thank them for being a guest on their lands. I'm so grateful to be here. I know this isn't exactly the way we envision it, but it's pretty amazing, actually. And I, I'm so excited to see, oh, there's me too. I'm excited <laughs> to see you and you, and I'm just, I'm just so excited to be here. And I just want to thank the bridge leadership, all of you um, who pivoted, and all I hear is that friends get pivot, where you, you pivoted so quickly this week to just set this all up and, and make this happen so that we could be together. And I'm, I'm so grateful because it's so important. So thank you. I'm going to be awkwardly leaning in to move my papers often. So I'm not sure if everyone's aware, spoiler alert, but I identify as a lesbian Christian. My pronouns are she, her. Before I get into what today is about, I would love to share about my experience of God through the lens of my sexuality. This might feel slightly uncomfortable in a church setting, but luckily we're in a house, so <laughs> I think I'm good. Also, when I refer to God, I will be using they pronouns, because I just feel like that's a much more expansive way to view the beauty that is our creator. So... I grew up in Winnipeg in a middle-class home with a younger brother, a mom and a dad. We were what you'd call that classic conservative Christian family. We attended a pretty big evangelical church in, in Winnipeg and the same one that my mom had grown up in. And actually I, I loved it. It was my second home. 
I was baptized days after being born and then again in youth group just to make sure I was fully committed. <laughs> I went to Sunday school, youth group, Bible summer camp, every single Christian convention. At my public school growing up, I'm pretty sure they called me Christian Stace because I wore those like overtly Christian t-shirts that had like the cross, you know, on them and like a cross necklace. And I was convinced this was going to bring my secular friends to Jesus, like on a weekly basis. <laughs> Simply put, God and Jesus were just a huge part of my life. And I felt like the church was my literal family. I believed they would love me no matter what, because I guess that's what they said. Until about the age of 16, my biggest struggle with sin was probably trying not to gossip about my secular friends at church. I was the extreme Christian good girl. And I was super comfortable with the fact that my life fell consistently within the boundaries of what a Christian should look like. And then I began to notice that my friends started having lots of crushes on boys. And I also noticed that I felt nothing I pretended to feel all of the things though. Oh yeah, their hair is so nice and the clothes <laughs> nice. Mm -hmm. I slowly realized that the opposite began to happen. I found myself wanting to be around certain girls all the time. And I definitely did feel all the things about their hair and smiles and clothes, but I had absolutely no clue what that meant. Like there was no Christian vocabulary for it. Like literally, I did not even know the word lesbian or homosexuality existed. They had been forbidden in our house and I hadn't heard them at church yet. And this was like way before Netflix. I had no tools, no support and no understanding of what was in front of me. i had only ever known this straight heteronormative Christian world. And my feelings were coming from a totally other universe. This was the beginning for me of a very arduous 13 year journey where I intensely wrestled with God, with my faith and with myself. My church home was my refuge since birth, but it slowly started to become a dark and lonely place where I no longer fit. About a year into my struggle, I very quietly admitted to myself that yes, I was actually attracted to girls. This led me to learn all about ex-gay ministries and people who had apparently prayed their gay way. Through my hidden research behind closed doors, I learned that this was called struggling with same-sex attraction. Christians in the ex-gay ministries spoke of it like a disease that rapidly spread and you had to always keep on top of it. I couldn't believe that I could identify with that. I began to hate myself. I prayed and prayed for these feelings to go away, but my prayers were futile. When my church did eventually speak on homosexuality, the message was really clear. It was the wrongest of wrongs. I had to choose, embrace God or be damned and embrace this capital sin. There is no world in which they can coexist. I clearly remember sitting in my room at 18 years old writing in my prayer journal and sobbing. What if everyone was right? What if I was the worst of sinners? What if no amount of prayer could change me? How could I live a life God would be proud of if I couldn't shake this disease of same-sex attraction? I asked myself the same questions over and over. How could I be attracted to women? I grew up around all the right people in the ideal Christian environment with a loving mother and father. 
I loved Jesus genuinely, and I love my family fiercely, but there was no way they'd be able to love me if I embraced being gay. I was filled to the brim with intense turmoil. And yet, sometimes when I was at my lowest, I could feel God softly sitting beside me, just gently propping me up, not allowing me to allow despair to take a full hold. I'd pull the covers over my head and listen to my Hillsong worship albums and just cry. Under the covers was my only sacred space where I could ask God why. What did I do wrong to allow sin to consume my life? But like that song, The Goodness of God, it says, your goodness is running after me. I would repeat songs like that over and over, hoping they were true. Maybe, just maybe, goodness was running after me. Deep down, buried under all the shame and loneliness, I had a sense that they created me for so much more than this chaos I was feeling. I tried to read those infamous clobber verses in my, all of my Bible translations, hoping they would eventually say something different. I emailed every possible Christian pastor I could outside of my church. There was no such thing as a gay Christian then, so I looked only to my trusted Christian community. No way I was going to the gay community to get advice. Satan had enough a hold on me. <laughs> I tried to be like super chill and anonymous in my emails to pastors. Hey, hi. Yeah. So I'm super straight, but I have a friend. <laughs> she's like really struggling and I'm just like trying to point her in the right direction. Over the years, I like probably got a couple hundred different responses, but they were all almost identical. Hello. Hi. Thank you for your question. Please tell your friend they are loved by God, but we would direct you to our biblical definition, et cetera, et cetera. <sighs> I don't know about you, but I don't remember a lot of verses in the Bible where Jesus says, I love you, but because I only heard the but. Each one of those responses fed my shame and my self-hate. It was a constant confirmation as the years ticked by. So I continued to fight myself. I never felt peace. On the surface, if you knew me then, I was probably just the same old Stace. It was also way before this haircut. <laughs> I, I hid my struggle really well. But underneath that, I developed major anxiety. I developed physical health problems. And quite honestly, I started to question how much longer I could live. I believe this struggle was my fault, that somewhere along the way of me perfecting this Christian walk, I just let Satan waltz in and corrupt me. I believe that I have made a huge mistake, or more accurately, I believed I was a huge mistake. The church had taught me that this sort of sin, it was too large, too ugly, too damaging. God despised homosexuality. So obviously, God must despise me. I could never embrace it. And so I fought the good fight. Except it wasn't good at all. Looking back, I know God was grieving as I bullied and hated and tried to erase this beautifully sweet part of myself, this part that they made. For so long, I viewed my sexuality as a thorn in my side that I needed to remove or ignore. A constantly uncomfortable and inconvenient reminder of who I was trying not to be. I struggled and prayed and fought until I literally almost couldn't. And then one day, bone exhausted after 13 years, something hit me. What if this thorn 
was actually a mustard seed. What if I stopped fighting? What if I turned around and embraced my sexuality as an integral part of who God made me to be? What if my sexuality actually enriched my faith? I decided I had nothing to lose. So I asked God the one question I'd been avoiding. God, can you still truly love me if I love the gay part of myself? The answer was not what I was expecting. I realized I had been listening to God's people for 13 years. But what did God themselves want to say to me? Soon I felt inside my soul, bubbling up to the surface, a deep resounding yes. Yes, I love all that I made you to be. Yes, a thousand times yes. And I felt peace. Almost immediately, peace began to wash over me in waves, consuming the shores of chaos and washing them away layer by layer. Only when I was finally able to embrace both my faith and sexuality together did that peace come. You know, I didn't get written answers from heaven. I didn't get even theological clarity, but I got peace. A peace that has not wavered since that day in 2010. By opening up my heart and my mind to these things I thought impossible, my view of God themselves expanded. Now, let me jump forward to where I am today. Today, I have an incredible wife named Tams, says point to her right there. <laughs> In May of this year, we celebrated our 10th wedding anniversary. We have a five-year-old daughter and a three-year-old son at home. And you know they're at home because there's a lot less screaming happening here. <laughs> Today, in 2021, I stand before you still filled with that peace. In other news, I'm also a professional artist and incredibly a published author. For anyone interested in hearing more about my journey, please pick up a copy of Still Safe. <laughs> Publishing in 16 days. <laughs> this is still super weird. <sighs> There's a short poem that by Mary Oliver that I hold close when I think of the road that I have walked so far. Pay attention, be astonished, tell someone. Pay attention because of the turmoil that God has brought me through. I'm forced to pay attention to the gifts in my life that I can no longer take for granted. My daughter's embrace is that much sweeter. Holding my wife's hand in public is that much more profound. Be astonished. When I get hurtful messages from people who cannot celebrate me or my family, my heart hurts. But God is always replenishing that quiet peace inside. It's like a gentle stream and it reminds me to trust them. And my heart remains soft. And that makes me astonished. Tell someone, here I am today, telling someone when God gave me this piece, I promised them I would share their story. So I speak it proudly. I believe I've been called to share my truth, to live authentically and to leave the rest to them. And now also a little bit to the bookstores. <laughs> I deeply love the LGBTQ Christian community. We have so much to give. We also have an immediate connection with, with each other in our shared grief. After I came out, things did not get easier for a long while. I had to grieve a lot of things. I had to grieve people's reactions and lost relationships. I had to grieve the life I thought I was supposed to have and let it go. And when I did, a new and more beautiful life grew in front of me, a life I would have never dreamed possible. 
after coming out, I got pretty accustomed to grieving things that should be celebrated, like telling my family Thames and I got engaged. It was not the effusive, elated conversation that I'd always dreamed of, but rather a super heartbreaking one. Many of my Christian friends also could not celebrate with me. I had to take a deep breath, close my eyes and feel the hurt. And then I would look at my engagement band and allow my joy to shine through. I was getting married and I was beloved and I was finally at peace. I'd always imagined myself planning a huge fancy wedding, one that would take place in my beloved evangelical church, one that all my friends and family would attend smiling, celebrating and cheering me on. I also pictured there being a man there as a small difference. <laughs> when our wedding day arrived, I have to admit I had doubts. Not doubts about Tams, but doubts about how I could possibly enjoy my wedding day without my parents or the majority of my family there. I was sure the grief would overshadow the joy. But something happened that morning. I felt like I was being slowly wrapped up in layers of love. As I walked down the aisle toward Tams, I looked in her eyes and I only felt joy. There was no room for my grief because I was walking towards love. I felt God so close that day beside me, beside us. If I continued to force myself to live a life that wasn't meant for me, I would have never experienced any of these gifts. I would have never thought back then that I would one day be happily married to a woman with kids, having published a book about my old journey. Recently, we were in the backyard with our kids trying to clean, which with toddlers is basically just like moving mess around. <laughs> Our son knocked over this planter that we thought was long dead because it was all dry and gray on the top. But when it spilled, a whole bunch of these little brilliant green buds scattered all over the ground. Sometimes when we think that all is lost, there's new growth just waiting to burst through and flourish. I reflected a lot on my journey as I wrote Still Stace. And it made me think about the experience of God versus what we are taught about God. I was taught a whole lot of things about God. And a lot of those things did not bring peace. My experience of God, turning myself over, of inviting God into all the pieces of me, gay and other, that experience was peace. And the evidence of God is peace. I've experienced so much from this vantage point as a gay Christian. Since coming out, I have chosen to be visible, to speak up, to not be scared to share, to take up space in this world. Sorry. <laughs> like that. <laughs> and not quietly exist like that. Because I had never had someone to look up to. And I vowed one day, if I ever could, I would try to be the person that I never had. Because quite frankly, gay Christians like me being visible might save someone's life. Because I love my church community so much, but they were not able to love me back. Now, straddling both the Christian and gay communities does come at a cost. I've had my fair share of anger from the gay community. How could you call yourself a Christian? All they do is hate us. And then from some Christians, how dare you add gay before Christian? It's blasphemous. It's okay. Those are all just words and, and labels and God knows my heart. I know I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. I've seen a lot of people scared and angry by that three-letter word, G-A-Y. Faces that cloud over in judgment, voices that drip with disgust, eyes that dart away in discomfort. 
some, some, sometimes they don't want to listen and they close their eyes to see what God's doing. And also, I just think sometimes people don't want to see who God is using. Fear is powerful, yes, but love, love is so much more powerful. By being immersed in this LGBTQ Christian community, I've learned there is so much beauty just beyond the borders of what we typically see. Listening to these stories is like stopping and squinting into the distance just long enough to notice that there are new and wondrous colors beyond the horizon. Now, if I may, a quick word of those to those of you today who identify as an ally. If you call yourself an ally, that is amazing. Thank you. We need all we can get. If you're a cisgendered straight person, that's okay. We still love you. <laughs> However, as, a, as an ally, <laughs> I would challenge you to listen to how people speak about the gay community when we are not around. And if you're able to speak up, there are, there are many spaces in the church still where we are not allowed. And it carries a lot of weight, what you say and what you don't say. Tams told me about this plaque in her Bible school that said, the absent are safe here. If you're an ally, your work is most important in those spaces where we are not. For so many years, I experienced other Christians as barriers to God. I kept putting my straight mask on and knocking on the door of the church and asking to come in. If I pretended I was allowed to come in, I was celebrated. But if I, I wanted to be authentic with my struggle and who I was, well, I had to leave. I prayed one day I would help build a bridge in those places that I had only met barriers. Which brings me to today. Today, I feel like I get to bring a few pieces of wood and some nails and together we can get to work on that bridge. And let me tell you, it is a monumentously beautiful thing to see. Today is called because of love. Today, as has been shared, the bridge will be overtly welcoming the LGBTQ plus community and become an affirming church. Oh, that's a big word for churches to say. And let me tell you, not many do. So what does it mean to become an affirming church? Well, let me tell you what it means to me from a queer Christian person's perspective. Taking that step to be affirming quite simply is like turning a light on a very, very dark path. Now that light, it's not gonna tell you how long the path is. It's not gonna tell you what direction to go. It's also not gonna tell you how treacherous it is up ahead. But that light, it's gonna make it a whole lot easier to see. And it's gonna be a whole lot safer to keep walking. And having safe spaces for an LGBTQ person of faith is like having a cold drink of water in the middle of a massive desert. Now let's be clear, becoming affirming isn't the end of the journey, rather it's the beginning. It doesn't mean the work is done or the learning is done. It doesn't erase the years and years of deep hurt and trauma that the church as a whole has caused to gay people. But it means that now we can acknowledge that and grieve it together. It means taking each other's hand and taking that first big step toward healing <clears throat> because we were created for healing. By saying you are affirming, <clears throat> it means you are saying to me and people like me, I see you and I celebrate you in all of you that you are as a child of God, your sexuality included. 
And let me tell you, that is a revolutionary thing to us. It makes me emotional because quite honestly, it does not legitimately happen very often. And when it does, it's actually really hard for our tender hearts to believe because so many of us have been promised a real welcome. And when it comes down to it, they were hiding a real huge asterisk that allowed them a way out. I personally have been a part of that journey many times. And each time it happens, a little bit more of your soul gets chipped away. So please be gentle with our fragile and untrusting hearts. I think I even texted Karina a few days ago and said, okay, I can actually say you're affirming, right? I've, I've learned to quadruple check. So for a church to actually follow through with being affirming, for us queer folks, it is life changing. It means you are not just saying we have a seat at the table, but you're showing us where to sit. Hear me when I say this, a church becoming affirming is life saving. I'm gonna say that again for the churches in the back. <laughs> becoming an affirming church is life saving. And actually that aligns quite well with the business model of churches trying to save lives. <laughs> now, this uh, part is a little bit hard. It's going to be hard for me to get through, but I need to take a moment to acknowledge my LGBTQ friends who couldn't wait any longer for a day like this to come. To my friends who have been hurt too deeply and too many times I see you. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry the church turned their back on you and your pain and did not embrace and celebrate all you are. You are loved. You are beautiful. You are good. God is so unbelievably for you and their goodness will just keep running after you. I pray for courage and peace and restoration for your soul that you would physically feel love to the tips of your toes. Now, as we continue after today, will we screw up and say the wrong thing and hurt each other? Definitely, because we're human. And this process of trying to understand and love each other is messy, but it will be easier to forgive and work through because the light is shining on our shared path. We can move forward together. And really, isn't that what Jesus wanted for us anyway? Just doing messy, heartbreaking, breathtaking life together. Before I end my time with a blessing I've written, I have one last short story to share. All this talk about the light on the path made me think of my grandma. Growing up in Winnipeg, my grandparents lived next door to us. My grandma's kitchen fa window faced our house. And when I was a teenager, she would always see me come home at night after it got dark. We often forgot to leave the porch light on. So she would immediately call me and say, hey Stace, put that light on, it's black as your boot out there. <laughs> It always made me smile because I knew she was always looking out for me. She wanted me to feel safe coming home. Today, in a way, I get to do that. I get to turn on the porch light and tell my queer Christian friends, it's safe now. The light is on. You can come home. If it's all right to end our time today, I've written a blessing. May you wonderful humans of the Bridge Church in Abbotsford, BC, and everyone else joining via Zoom, may you breathe in deeply this day. May you close your eyes and feel the hum in the air and know that this hum is love. It is now able to sing just a little more freely. May you know that you are already equipped 
to operate fully out of love, a love that heals, a love that restores. May you understand that sometimes it's not just about offering a seat at the table. Perhaps it's time that we each take a corner and move the table itself. May this place and all of you who make it up become a refuge for those who have been hurt, invalidated, kicked out, ignored, and cast away. May you extend grace and radical generosity with each other at times when it is easy and even more so at times when it's not. May you trust what is simply simple, that the Jesus who is in you is also in me. What glorious freedom comes with that. And may you say to all with triumphant fervor, you are safe here. We are leaving the light on. Thank you. And Stacy, that's awesome. <laughs> um, some of you may not be able to see that where we're gathered here in the Lowen household, that this is actually a space under construction. Um, the floor is still covered in paper. There's, uh, you know, painter's tape all over the place with instructions. Uh, there's doors hanging in the other room uh, that are in the process of being painted. There's not a sink or a fridge or a stove. Um, this is a place that is in process. And so are we as a church. Uh, to, to go back to what Sarah said at the beginning, we're just like at the starting line. Uh, this is no accomplishment at this point, um, but it is awfully lovely to start this process. And I especially appreciate the, um, the grace you have given us in um, kind of waiting for these nine months. Um, also kind of, um, you know, symbolic of a birth um, um, for us to have the process to come to this place where we can say, okay, we're at least now born, right? <laughs> and, um, and so thanks for sharing so authentically with us. And it's hard to hear um, because it comes with this thing of truth. And so for me personally, um, I was over there and I have made a long and steady little trek mm -hmm. to a new place. And I'm awfully glad because the air is fresher over here too, mm -hmm. for me and for all of us who are uh, participating in this. Mm -hmm. And I kind of, after what you shared, I kind of want to say, um, I declare you to be a bridge builder and a lamplighter. Yes. Uh, and, um, and that um, we are not the only church that you will lead. Mm -hmm. And we, were not, we are not the only church that will follow you and appreciate the leadership that you have offered to us in this process. Mm -hmm. And um, we're extremely grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we are going to have a Q&R. But um, as soon as I sat down, I realized I hadn't introduced Carter. And um, come on back up, Carter. Okay. We're going to just take a moment. Um, Carter, tell us about yourself. 
My name is Carter, obviously, and I use they them pronouns. I am at Trinity Western and I'm um, the current co-leader for One TWU, which Taryn mentioned earlier, which is the queer ally network at Trinity Western, which is a very odd place to be gay, but here we are. <laughs> and it's been a journey and I resonate a lot with what Stacy said about um, new life and the journey that, um, that comes with being a queer Christian and my faith hasn't been always very consistent. Um, it's a lot like this. And I think it was just a beautiful thing to have communion today mm. and to hear um, the great words and poems and to have everyone gathered um, in the name of love, mm. capital L. Um, mm. So that's a short little introduction. Awesome. Yay. Um, while you're here, um, do you mind staying for some Q&A? Yeah. Okay, awesome. <laughs> That was my little other plan. Oh yeah. Um, so Old Hand here in Abbotsford made us cookies, um, rainbow cookies, and they're quite enormous. They're about the size of my head. Yeah. And um, we have 100 of them <laughs> and only about a dozen of us here. So um, this afternoon, um, you are welcome to stop by the Lowens and pick up however many cookies you need for your brood. Um, and maybe Sarah can put um, oh, the addresses in the chat. So if you don't normally go to the chat, you can um, just press the little icon at the bottom that says C-H-A-T, chat. If you press that. And on the street, we have our new bridge um, signage um, in their front yard. So when you see that, um, that's where you pull in and knock on the door and say trick or treat because um, it's October. Yeah. So, um, so we are going to open it for Q&R. We have the technology to allow people um, that are on Zoom to ask questions directly. And we'll just ask you to be thoughtful in your questions, um, to be kind and um, to, yeah. Please be kind. <laughs> we got anything up there yet, Sarah? Where did we buy your book? Oh, let me pull it up again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is still really new to me. Um, it's on all the major online retailers. Um, please go to your independent bookstores and order it. But it should be available basically everywhere. And, and even more so on October 19th. But people, some people are getting it now. So um, that means it's, it's in the warehouse and it's it's making its way into the world. So, yeah, yeah. Can you tell us more about the the book launch? Is the one on the twenty second? Maybe if you can share some details about that. If there's some we, locals that would yes. like to show up for that, we have a fabulous book launch happening October twenty second yeah. for Stacy, and it's really exciting. It'll be happening in St. George's Parish. Um, in Fort Langley, right off the main road. Um, so that's happening really soon and tickets are free. Um, I'm where, sure we can Where can share. they go? Like, is there an online address they could go to? Yes, go to 1TWU or I think it's on your link tree as well. Yeah. Yes. Stacey Chomiak's and just in the link in the bio and there's an event right where you can register for free tickets and there'll be a fun Q&A session Yay! and more sharing and more um, talking about 
gay Christian stuff. Yeah, I have, I get getting some like um, illustration prints that I'll sign and giveaways. Um, yeah, bookmarks and, you know, just fun visuals because I'm just not excuse to make art more art. So yes. <laughs> that's, all, that's all really what I care about. <laughs> but, yes. It's very exciting and there's really fun illustrations. There's 99. Really? <laughs> yes. I had to count them arduously as I drew each one. There's, yeah, it's 99. I wish there was a hundred. Yeah. Oh, we've got a question. Oh. oh. Hi there. <laughs> Hi. Hi there. Should I speak? Yes, please. Yes. Oh, okay. Hi. My name's Leah. This is my husband, Mark. Thank you both for your work today and your presentation and your prayers, your blessing. My question is, um, Mark and I are retired counselors who run support uh, groups um, for the parents of kids who've recently come out. And it's a, it's a topic we could discuss at length, but my question for today is, what is the one thing um, your Christian parents could have said in your, in your dreams of the perfect response uh, when you came out to them? Uh, we, we probably, I, I'd love to hear your answer too. Um, my... <laughs> The, what actually happened is in the book and it, it's quite painful. So not that, um, <laughs> what I wish, um, is, I mean, just to say, I love you and I may not understand it. I will figure it out together. I love you. And, you know, even if you don't have answers, I'm thinking of what I would say to my own kids. If you, even if you don't agree to say like, I just love you because that's the one thing that I remember just being so scared of is that I'm going to lose that love from the people who are supposed to love me the most. And that is the fear of that is so large. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it so easily can be confirmed. So to be able to just repeat that, even if that's the only thing you can say um, to me, that would have been so much better. <laughs> yeah. What was your thoughts? That is exactly what I wanted to do. <laughs> when I came up to my parents, it was, um, a lot of crying, a lot of grief, and will I will I have grandchildren? Is what mm. I heard, and that was really tough to hear. And I, the love yous came after months later, and um, I, I wish I could have heard, "We'll work this together." I love you so much, Carter. I love mm. you for all you are. Um, it didn't happen in that moment, but I hope for you know parents of the next generation and. Um, that that can happen because mm. I believe that's possible. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank Mark, you for do asking. You have anything? Do you have anything else, Mark? Um, <clears throat> I just uh, reflecting back on the very first thing that was read by Morgan at the beginning um, about the bombing in Oman, Northern Ireland. What a what an incredible metaphor for the tragedy and destruction um, that. Uh, the LGBTQ um, IA2S community has experienced over so much time. Um, just, just a wonderful thing. And yet at the, the same, by the same token, it also in the poem talks about people walking through together and holding hands and saying, listen, there is a way through. There's a way we can come together to understand each other and to affirm and love. And that was, that was wonderful. I, I really appreciate that as a metaphor for so many things and for what we're doing today. This mm. is the affirming, this is the, this is the coming together. This is the um, being one together in this, in this place. So thank you so much. 
Thank you. Thank you. I've got a I've got a question in chat. I don't know if you can hear me on here, but it says, um, I've done a 180 from how I grew up in my view towards the LGBTQ community. But as my kids are asking questions, I still hear the voices of the rhetoric echoing in my head. Do you have any resources for parents trying to rewrite that narrative in their own heads and then talking to their children about it? Mm -hmm. And these people have little kids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's why my book's for teens, because there's just not a lot of resources for, for little kids. But I think, I mean, it's getting to know more LGBTQ stories. I, I know The Bridge has a list of resources. On my social media, I have a list of resources. I think just trying to find as many, like, if you identify as Christian, as many gay Christian stories, because there are more and more coming up. There's a lot of resources um, for parents and mm -hmm. Um, there's, there's places now to go. There's so many places now to go to just be able to meet people and to ask the questions in a safe place. Um, there needs to be more resources for young kids. I'm working on that. I have, I have some ideas of other books and other kids books and stuff, and there does need to be more of that, but it's, it's just a tough thing. I get that. Um, and I think like even our kids are three and five and, um, they have two moms. And even still when, when our daughter Robson plays, she plays mom and dad because she just sees it everywhere on her cartoons and which I'm working on too. Um, she sees it everywhere and, and like, and her kids at friends at school. So just sort of talking about that naturally at home, like there's lots of different families and there's lots of different ways to love. And, and I say to Robson, if you want to marry a girl or a boy, I'm going to wear a boy. Like, okay. If you, whatever you can decide, but like just talking about it as if it's, you know, normal because it is, and love is love is love. So um, I feel like I rambled a lot, but there's, there is a lot of resources on the bridge and my um, website as well. Yeah. I echo that. Lots of resources around. Yeah. Just Google queer Christian. Yeah. Um, affirming. Just lots of resources, I think. Yeah. And I, I know this wasn't part of the question, but Church Clarity is a really good yes. website. Um, Christian Org. Yeah, Kushan Org. Um, yeah, there's there's a there's quite a few really good ones. And if you want to write in, we can send you the links or we can put the links somewhere. <laughs> we can always add them to our oh yeah on the, on the church. Perfect. Somebody asked a question about a t-shirt and I can't find it, but it was I think it was which t-shirt? What was the uh, where did they get your t-shirt? You uh, yeah, yesterday I was wearing a shirt that had it. a rainbow <laughs> stream of love first. That was from J Crew and I don't know if it's still available, but they often have actually really good pride shirts. So, yeah, this this is actually um, from a website called Queerly Beloved T-shirts um, by uh, an LGBTQ speaker, author, um, Kevin Garcia. I just chatted with him last week and he has a, a bunch that are sort of really awesomely like queer Christian centric. So go buy his shirts. They're awesome. I know questions. <laughs> That's the, the only hands we had up. Was those? Ones? Oh wow! Anybody else want to jump in right now? Is your moment? <laughs> oh, Kyle has a question. Go for it. Yeah. Um, oh. First off, I just want to say thank you to both of you for sharing your stories today. Um, I myself am a queer Christian and have faced many of the similar um, troubles that you guys have faced. And it is just so important to put that word out there and to just do the, if you're gay, 
Kyle, did we lose you? It's okay. <laughs> um, growing up in Abbotsford, that was just. Something I we're having we're having couldn't find. I went to a private school. Um, for me, a lot of the atrocities. I, okay, got out there. I just wanted to say thank you guys for yeah, sure. It really means a lot to. Cool. Maybe uh, maybe put it in the chat, Kyle, so we can uh, we can see that. But that was um, thank you. Yeah, I heard a bit of that. Thanks so much. Yeah, it, like you said, it's representation matters, especially in. Um, like I said, the on my social media, like the the Bible Belt buckle, which we're putting a rainbow sticker on that today. But it it's a you know there's a lot of churches in this area, and uh, I'm sure when people ask me about today, they'll be like, really, 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 it's affirming in Abbotsford. So it's you know it's needed, and um, people like us need yeah. to be out there and saying, yeah, we we exist and we're here. Come talk to us. I I'd love when people reach out. So <laughs> yeah. It's very encouraging to have a place in Abbotsford, like yes. so close to me. It's like that says yes, you know. So it's amazing. it means a lot. Amazing. It is a question over here. I um I love what you were saying, uh, Stace, about the um, walking towards the light when you were talking about that at your wedding and how moving towards the light kind of dispelled the fear. And mm -hmm. I'm just wondering you would care to say something about your journey between the love and the fear and how do you keep yourself walking towards the love when there's so many factors that are pulling in the other direction and it could be fear it could be other things as well yeah um once again let me pull this up pull this up because um i it, i mean that's what took me the 13 years is um that fear was so huge and it, every time I felt like, I mean, Tams and I, we were together for seven years of that closeted. And I, I was like, you know, every time I felt like, ah, oh, I can embrace it. No, I can't. And it just, that fear is just, just so like paralyzing. And so for me, the only way I could move forward was allowing myself to, I guess, have that peace. And I know it, it sounds so really annoyingly cliche because no one wants to hear that. They want, they want like black and white answers mm. that they can access. But I think that's also the point is we can't access God necessarily. Like what is spirituality? And if you call yourself a person of faith, what do you feel? What do you feel and not what do you read or what do you hear people say to you? What do you feel inside of yourself? And that's sort of how I move forward in my life is um, even with writing the book, there was so many iterations with the editor. And every time I was sort of asked to write something, or if I wasn't sure, I would go inside and just listen, like, is this something I need to share and hear if God was saying, you know, nudging me towards that. And that's sort of, I guess, the light for me that I try and follow is, does this feel authentic to me? Does this feel like something that could help someone else? And does this feel like it's not going to do harm to me to share? Um, then, you know, if there, there's always going to be fear, I think it, you know, you move forward anyway, and you find those safe people like in this room, people that I, you know, can trust that remind me, like Tams always reminds me, you're okay, you're fine. You know, there's going to be haters. There's going to be people that don't agree, live anyway, move yeah. forward anyway, because it's important. And because you only get one life. 
And that's what I sort of realized. Like I, I, I'm going to be 90 and still questioning if I don't, you know, allow myself to live and I'm going to miss out. I'm the only one that's going to miss out on my own life. So I have to just make that decision to say, as out of my control, whatever you feel, whatever you think. And that's still going to happen. I'm sure a lot when this comes out and when other people read it, you don't agree. I'm sure I'll get responses, but mm-hmm. it's okay because I'll just move forward and probably write something else. So <laughs> I don't know if that's helpful, but I don't know, Carter, what you want to say? No, this speaks fear. a lot to me because this is exactly what I needed a few years ago. Um, no, I agree with all that. Okay, well, another question in the chat. Are there any groups or support systems for queer Christians and adults that you know of? Um, we have Facebook, Instagram, and um, yeah, we have events and lots of resources in our website, um, books, articles, um, all things queer, queer Christian. Um, so it's, I think it's great for the Fraser Valley too, um, in my opinion, just for all the intersections of faith and sexuality. Yeah, there needs to be more. There needs to be more. There, there was more, um, sadly, that has recently closed down. Um, we, Tams and I just moved to Chilliwack and we're sort of, you know, spreading our gayness around that area and it, into Abbotsford. But I, but I love getting people email me a lot. Like, can we go for coffee? I love going for coffee walks. So like anybody on the Fraser Valley, like message me, I'll be, you know, I, I can hear a lot. I can just listen. And, um, but we, we want our house to be like a refuge for people. You know, we want to, when, you know, things open up a bit more with double vaccine and stuff, have like gay and ally dinners and and things like that. But but there's, there's a lot of pockets of people. um, And I think one TWU is a great way to find them or come through me and I'll connect you. I I know a lot of the gays, so (laughs) we, we know each other. So, but yeah, but there needs to be more, uh, there needs to be more support. So if someone knows how I can start one of those, I'll be happy to do that. But um, yeah, for sure. There needs to be more. Yeah. So you're a great parent. So you go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. Oh, that's always a learning thing. I should get you up here to, you're a better parent than me. Um, I, I, we always like, we always teach our kids like to just like, what is the most kind thing you can say? What's the most inclusive thing you can say, which is like something I'm learning even at work. Like I'm so used to saying like, Hey guys, but I always say, Hey pals or Hey friends, because just changing our language it means a lot, like using the right pronouns for people. It means a lot because it means that you see them. Like I see you, it matters who you are. It matters what you want to be called. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a sign of respect and a sign of like, I just, I see you as another human and you matter. So I think if you are always reminding your kids and your kids' friends to just operate out of that kindness and inclusivity, I hope, and I feel like things from there naturally happen 
um, it, it's tough, like with a lot of that slang and, um, you know, I don't know why that's still being used. That's okay. That's going to be a tough one. If I hear that from our kids, friends, I think, you know, all we can do is change it hopefully with the way that we live, the way that we speak and hopefully the way that we, um, model that and, um, and I'm sure we'll screw up and then how we own that too. Um, that matters as well. So yeah, it's a, it's a tough thing. Parenting is, it's tough. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for your questions though. Thank you. You're awesome. Thank you guys. Oh. You're braver than Sarah and I were because we were willing to not do the Q and R. So thank you. And thanks for the good questions. I was just thinking about the last one. Um, you know, we all have our circle of influence. It might only be one other person or only the people in the house that we live in, but we all have our circle of influence. And when we hear something that is contrary to what we now believe and understand, that's when we get to say something right in that moment. We don't have to think like big, like how can I convert Abbotsford? It's like, how can I make things in my house be consistent with what I believe? Mm. And so um, I would challenge you um, within, within your circle of influence, um, just to take that responsibility to, um, to manage um, and, and say something when it's required. Uh, we're going to close. Um, before we do, I just want to remind you of these <laughs> and that there's 100 available um, for those who would like to uh, come by. Of course, those of us here will have taken a few of those. We will do our due diligence. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I can get a lot of those, I think. <laughs> um, but I just want to um, thank Carter and Stacy and Tams for coming today um, and um, helping us make this real. Mm -hmm. um, there's been a lot of theory to this point and um, it feels good mm -hmm. for it to have flesh and bones. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. we appreciate you guys. Mm -hmm. um, so let me just say a prayer blessing. Mm -hmm. Jesus, bless our friends. Mm -hmm. um, would you restore everything that's been taken from them? Would you bring a bounty of love, of acceptance, of understanding, of care, of kindness to them that would restore what was taken mm -hmm. and help us and uh, as individuals who come alongside them to use our little circles of influence to course correct for others, mm -hmm. those who we have some say with. And we ask now that you would help us all to celebrate. Wherever we are, wherever we've come from, wherever we live, mm -hmm. we would ask that, um, that you give us light hearts mm -hmm. and an ability to um, kick up our heels and just mm -hmm. be happy to celebrate with our friends because the coin has been found mm. and we are happy to have found it mm. in your name. We pray. Amen. 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 Amen.
All right, do not forget the cookies. <laughs> Except for you can have this oh, one. Yeah. I, no, I've already touched it. I better take I it. There's some more. There's some more. Oh. <gasps>